into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Tuesday night. I am your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, since 1983, providing you exceptional customer service and quality American-made Ford vehicles. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet is where you go or online at tworiversford.com. Brymac Mechanical, B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com is where you go for satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. And of course, if you need your dream address without the stress, the Gary Ashton team with Remax Advantage, GaryAshton.com is where you go for your next home and to sell your home for more if you are in the market to do so. So the university, amidst all the different things happening with the Titans and uh, whether it's things that are actually happening, things that uh, people are complaining about on social media, whether it's the behavior of Titans players on social media, there was actual news that happened in the middle of all this nonsense today. And that was a four-star recruit the number one overall recruit in the state of Tennessee, Caleb Herring, committing to the University of Tennessee in 2023. Now, this is a big deal for a variety of reasons, because I saw our uh, resident Ohio State fan, Jeff Rubel, already sounding a bit dismissive in the comment section. I think it is quite easy to be dismissive when your program has had the level of success that Ohio State has and is not in you know the search of, frankly, relevancy and sustained success that the University of Tennessee and Vols fans are. We, of course, all know this. Ohio State programs like Ohio State and Tennessee are not in the same air at this point. But this is the kind of progress that can help get a place like Tennessee back on its feet, back and competing in meaningful ways, first and foremost, trying to make some headway basically trying to unseat Kentucky as the second best team in the SEC East this year. Think about that for a second. The Wildcats are right under Georgia as far as what this SEC East projects to be. So with Caleb Herring's commitment, by the way, local product here for us in Middle Tennessee, he played at Riverdale just right about 40, 45 minutes down the road in Murfreesboro. This is a big deal. And I'll tell you why here in just a second. But first, I want to get your Two Rivers Ford take. What is the biggest sign of progress for Josh Heupel and Tennessee, or rather for Tennessee under Josh Heupel, so far that you have seen? Now heading into year two with, you know, success under his belt to a degree, winning all the football games that you were favored to win in 2021. Doesn't sound like a major deal, but certainly it is. There's a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of things to look at and say, okay, this is legitimate progress for a program that's just trying to get its feet back under them after all of the things that have happened to it over the course of basically the better part of a decade. Uh, Jeff says, Jeff says, okay, Buck, I went and looked. I wouldn't really call it a win. The dude is from Tennessee. His brother plays for Tennessee. That should be an in the bag recruit. Uh, sure, Jeff should. Of course should, but, you know, respectfully, Jeff, you, you speak from a place of, of college football privilege, right? That's not a given at Tennessee anymore. And I think Vols fans are realistic by, about that. There are, they have had talented players at that program through all the different years and all the different coaching staffs and all the different mediocrity that it's been mired in. 
but to consistently be putting together substantial classes. Again, the top recruit in the state of Tennessee is not a small deal for the state university. I understand that it shouldn't be a big deal or as big a deal as we're probably going to make it tonight, but the fact remains that it is at this juncture. And I want to know what you have seen from Josh Heupel as a Vols fan or maybe people, somebody like Jeff, who can provide uh, an objective perspective to this, even though, again, I think Jeff is speaking from a place of college football privilege because Ohio State doesn't have to deal with, uh, you know, doesn't have to worry about things like this. The question that I am asking you in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch is what is the biggest sign of progress for the University of Tennessee under Josh Heupel so far? It's your Two Rivers Ford take. Two Rivers Ford, of course, presents the Two Rivers Ford take each and every night. What you can get at Two Rivers Ford is quality, is reliability, is award-winning customer service. That is how Two Rivers Ford has been doing business in Middle Tennessee for nearly 40 years. Things like the Built For You program that allow you to take any new Ford vehicle, customize it with any accessories in any color that you choose, Two Rivers Ford will build that vehicle for you and deliver it right to your door upon completion. It's the Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford. Find out more, if you like, at the dealership from one of their non-commissioned salespeople in Mount Juliet, or you can do the whole process online if you desire at tworiversford.com. So, Caleb Herring commits to the Tennessee Volunteers for the 2023 class. And again, there is a there is a degree of, okay, well, shouldn't they be winning battles like this anyway? And the answer is, well, in a perfect world, would you like to? Would you like for them to? Yes, but they haven't been consistently. They haven't been able to keep the top talent in their state in quite some time. This was something that Butch Jones took heavy criticism for. This is something that Jeremy Pruitt was never really able to establish the relationship with high school coaches in the state of Tennessee. Uh, for those of you who read The Athletic, and while David Ubbin was still on the Tennessee beat, he wrote a really good piece about, you know, basically how Jeremy, Cruitt was, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was received by high school coaches in the state of Tennessee. And largely, the consensus was not all that great. Didn't have the relationships necessary to be able to foster that growth from internal talent and to bring them to the University of Tennessee. Blackout Jones says keeping most of his staff intact is going to be uh, is going to be a major uh thing for the uh for the Vols under J Josh Heupel. Competing in games uh says Bryce Erickson against the good SEC teams and actually showing a competent offense, which he has done uh to this point this throughout the course of this year. Now we move forward and we see how much more competitive a team like Tennessee can be with an offense that I think a lot of people find exciting. And Nico Iamaliava, the five-star quarterback, who is also a part of this same class as Caleb Herring, it's the 2023 class. Iamaliava is one of the prized quarterback recruits in that 2023 class. He's a California kid. Right now, he is verbally committed to the University of Tennessee, and that is generating momentum for that 23 class, including Herring, that brings their class to eight. At this point, and with a lot of talented players, more likely still to come. Now, whether they can keep Imaliava committed to Tennessee, he had a lot of different offers from a lot of places. 
His his college comparison as a prospect is Marcus Mariota, which would be electric no matter which university he ends up taking his talents to. But right now, he's verbally committed to Knoxville. He's wearing Mike Honcho t-shirts for the baseball team. He seems to really enjoy the environment, the interaction, the engagement of what it is to be a five-star quarterback recruit for Vols fans who are just falling over themselves to try and make sure that he stays. So it helps that, one, Caleb Herring's brother is already on the Tennessee roster, and two, that there is a lot of excitement about the Vols right now. But the reason why is this is such a big deal, I'm going to tell you here in just a second. First, I want you to hear from Caleb Herring, courtesy of VolQuest.com. The latest commitment for Tennessee, Caleb Herring. Caleb, uh, everybody's been kind of rumoring you for Tennessee for a while. Um, you, you decide to pull the trigger. Why make the move now? Well, yeah, like a lot of people, they say that, I mean, just because I made this decision, they said it's because my brother played a huge role in it. He honestly didn't. Uh, yeah, like going into this recruitment, uh, I've just I've always had a nice relationship with Coach Hyper. Like ever since he got there, seeing what he did with UCF, turned that around. That was actually impressive. He's turned the whole, this whole program around. So that's Caleb Herring speaking with uh, the guys at VolQuest about why he ultimately decided to choose. The University of Tennessee had been trending this way for a while. It's not an upset, uh, not an upset at by any stretch of the imagination that this would end up coming down, but it is a big deal and it will help them start to keep in-state recruits. And even further still, uh, as the, uh, as one of the, as one of the cats just jumped up on the, uh, on the desk while we're trying to do the primetime show, get the hell out of here, Leo, you're not making a, uh, an on-camera appearance this evening, try as he might. But here's why this is such a big deal. Iamaliava, quarterback, offense, these are the kind of things that you hoped an exciting offense like Josh Heupel's would help, you know, generate some buzz around the Vols. What they have not been able to do, either through the transfer portal or through recruiting thus far, is land major successes on the defensive side of the ball. Anybody who watched Tennessee last year would know that they did largely overachieve with a group that had suffered attrition, that was dealing with, you know, uh, all of the all of the different things that the Vols had gone through leading up and through Josh he- uh, J- Jeremy Pruitt's firing, ultimately. And so you saw Tim Banks, a first-time defensive coordinator, come out of the gate with a group that wasn't supposed to be very good at all, didn't quite finish the year as strongly as they started, but still signs of growth, signs of progress, signs of competency. Now, in 2023, of course, because Herring is a 2023 commit, these are the kind of horses that you want to see whether Tim Banks can live up to now expectations. I had no idea who Tim Banks was, and maybe that's a fault of me. I should probably know more about the college coaching circuit before these guys land, you know, SEC defensive coordinator jobs because the, by then they are established in the football world. So it's no indictment of somebody like Tim Banks that I didn't know who he was. But, you know, I had I had little to no expectation for Tim Banks as a assistant defensive coordinator, I believe was the title at Penn State, going through everything that the Vols did with Kevin Steele. And is he going to be the head coach? Is he going to be the interim, kind of, even though he's being paid $900,000? Is he going to be the DC? And then all of a sudden he's out after like a month. I don't even think it was like a month and a half. I think it was about a month that Kevin Steele was on campus. 
They hire Tim Banks. It's a kind of arduous process for them to land on Tim Banks. All of a sudden, Tim Banks is, is getting a group to perform at a higher level than any of us looked around and thought that they were capable of. And now, I think all of us have expectations for Tim Banks to be able to do a little more, just show signs of progress, signs of growth. That's all that Vols fans, I think, are asking for at this point. And, you know, to continue to field competitive football teams as they did last year, even if last season in the season finale in the Music City Bowl didn't go exactly the way that you wanted and your secondary was ravaged and 500 yards of passing offense for Purdue without their top wide receiver option. And it's, you know, leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Point being, these are the kind of things that I think make a substantial difference. One, because it shows that you're making an effort to protect in-state talent, to keep in-state talent. And two, because offense, I'm not worried about them recruiting that for that offense. I was starting to get concerned a little bit, both because they haven't they haven't really maximized um, anything out of the transfer portal just yet. I mean, obviously, you know, Hendon Hooker is a product of the transfer portal, and that's a big win. But on the defensive side of the ball, for example, they have immediate needs. Anybody who's paying attention to Tennessee right now, as we've just gone through uh, their spring scrimmage, no spring game for UT as uh, Neyland Stadium is currently under renovation. But like, you know that you have almost, I mean, you just need warm bodies at corner at this point because you're getting ready to head into uh, fall camp with uh, very few of those able bodies um, to be able to give you legitimate snaps in your secondary. And of course, the secondary was the thing that we were almost concerned about based on how last season ended. So I think this is a major victory for the University of Tennessee. I think that it shows the kind of initiative that you're looking for. And again, you're too under Hypel. We will see because expectations are there to be had at this point. And I think this staff is doing well to keep pace with them. Exceed them, not yet, but keep pace with them. I think that is as big a sign of positive success as you could ask for at this time in the football calendar. All right, let's kind of let's kind of talk about the University of Tennessee. I know we're far away from the upcoming season just yet, but we really haven't done we haven't looked at this roster in quite some time. We haven't really talked much about the Vols because there's not been a lot of Vols news to discuss. And of course, an AJ Brown tweet is enough to do five shows off of, but there's only so many. Um, news items for us to pull a primetime show out of the Vols at this point. By the way, Grizz up eight as we sit here in the second quarter, under four minutes to play, or just almost under four minutes to play, four minutes exactly on the clock right now. Down 1-0 in their series against the Minnesota Timberwolves and playing at FedEx Forum tonight. So uh, hopefully we see John Morant and the Grizz find a way to even up the series tonight. That would be entertaining. Oh, by the way, I think Matt Duchesne, well, I don't think I know because I saw it on Twitter. I'm not. I'm not. I'm watching the Grizzlies game right now in the studio. I don't have the Preds game on, but I did see that Matt Duchesne had gotten to 40 goals before Philip Forsberg, which is an incredible, incredible um, accomplishment that those two have been racing to 40, and now one of them has accomplished that. So, uh, good momentum for the Preds who do need a win tonight against the Calgary Flames. That's a big deal, and we'll certainly discuss that on the radio show. Both of those things, uh, how, how this Grizzlies game pans out and the Preds game tomorrow on the radio show. In the meantime, let's talk about the Vols, and let's uh, let's get that part of the conversation back up and running because our friends Will Compton and Taylor Lewan at Bussin' with the Boys, they had a but they were they, their spring football tour took them to Knoxville most recently, and they just released a bunch of those episodes. I think today is when 
they uh, they dropped for the first time. So they had Josh Heupel, our buddy, uh, our buddy Tony Vitello, the baseball coach, and a couple of the uh, a couple of the players at Tennessee on Bussin' with the Boys, and we'll play for you a clip from Josh Heupel from that podcast here in just a second. But the question that I want to ask you is this: How many games? Uh, how many games will the? Uh, how many games will the Vols win next year? Let me know on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will. Uh, we will talk about it together. Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm. Uh, I, I. I'll tell you why I'm laughing later on. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. Gary Ashton will help you win the buyer battle. The University of Tennessee is trying to win battles on the football field. The Ashton Real Estate Group will help you win the battles in the Nashville real estate market. It is hugely competitive. It is hugely uh, It is hugely favorable if you are selling your home in Nashville right now. But you can't sell your home without making sure that you have all the intel to maximize your value when you sell your home. The Ashton team can do that for you. They do it for the Nashville Predators. They do it for the Tennessee Titans. They did it for me when I, well, not the selling of the home because I haven't sold my home, but they helped me do it when I was looking to buy my first home with that Intel edge that only the Ashton team can provide. GaryAshton.com is where you go. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. So how many games will the University of Tennessee win next season? Jeff Rubel says, can we see... The schedule, I cannot throw it up on the screen. We did not prepare a graphic, Jeff, but I can uh, I can read to you the schedule for Tennessee in the coming 2022 football season. So here is what it looks like right now. They open at Ball State on a third, or rather they open at Neyland against Ball State, hosting Ball State on a Thursday night, September the 1st. They are hosting uh, Pittsburgh. Well, no, it's rather it says at Pittsburgh. Sorry, I'm getting my uh, my uh, versus versus ats mixed up. Anyway, hosting Ball State at Pittsburgh at this point. They are hosting Akron. Okay, then the SEC schedule, of course, starts with Florida in Knoxville. You are at Death Valley in LSU uh, in uh, the uh, the first week of October. Alabama at Neyland Stadium on October the 15th. UT Martin for a little break in the schedule. That will be played at Neyland. Kentucky comes to Knoxville. Then you go to Georgia. Missouri at Neyland. South Carolina in Columbia. And then finishing up, of course, with rivalry week. Nashville, Vanderbilt, the final game for the Vols in the regular season. So again, that schedule, Ball State, Pittsburgh, Akron, Florida, LSU, Alabama, UT Martin, Kentucky, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt on the road to finish. Now, as I look at this, um, Ball State, I honestly think Pittsburgh is hugely beatable. Um, I don't know who they're returning at quarterback, but I know damn sure it's not Kenny Pickett. Ball State, Pittsburgh, Akron, all winnable games. I believe that Florida should be a winnable game at this point, Either, even as uh, Anthony Richardson is going to be on the field for them, new coaching staff, new system. They will still be kind of getting their feet under them in the SEC. I think you can capitalize with the first conference game hosting Florida. I think that's a win. Probably, I don't know about LSU. At this point, I think LSU is a toss up, but I would like to see that the Vols won't be favored in Death Valley, but I would like to see Tennessee be able to play a competitive road game 
in a place like Death Valley. We know they'll lose to Alabama at this point. UT Martin should be a win. If history is any kind of precedent, Kentucky will also be a win. Now, I think that there's probably one of these games is going to catch them by surprise. I think South Carolina and Spencer Rattler in Columbia, uh, provided that you know we'll see how this season plays out for him as a transfer himself. I would say, I would say eight and four at the worst, as Jeff Rubel says. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable estimation. I think an improvement of one win on the regular season, and and if you're able to uh, get a bowl win as well, I think eight and four is completely reasonable through that course of the stretch. Ed is for UT, maybe a little biased there, but Ed thinks that there are nine wins on that Tennessee schedule. I think that eight is probably more reasonable right now, but you know, they can't, would it, would you like to see them surprise you and get nine? Of course, of course, more wins is going to make the fan base happy. You would have liked to end last year on a win and you probably could have had the officiating not made things so muddy against Purdue. But long story short, I think eight wins is totally attainable for this program with the returning quarterback, with Cedric Tillman at wide receiver, offensive line and running back. You're going to see uh, how that plays out a little bit, but I don't think the offensive line depth is all that is something to be overwhelmingly concerned about right now. Of course, you know, they've had to had to put together different parts in the last couple of years as well. I think that eight and four is completely reasonable at this point. I don't think that, uh, I mean, you know, should they not exceed their win total of seven last year, then you can start to dissect because I think that there's, as I said, Kentucky is the second best program in the SEC East at this point in time. And Kentucky is the team that you can most reliably count on to take that L against the University of Tennessee. Even in Tennessee's worst moments, that has certainly been the case. Okay, let's wrap things up with a gone viral video and get you out of here for the evening. The question that I have to pose for you is this. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your interest level in the USFL, uh, I know that there was games played last night, I believe. This was the opening weekend for the USFL. And I want you guys to tell me how you feel about it. What, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of interest in this second iteration, this renewed iteration of the USFL? Did you watch Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers flounder and sputter about with Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch at quarterback? Did you watch uh, the uh, Did you watch the Pittsburgh Maulers with uh, Coach Kirby Wilson, who is in some level of uh, <laughs> disgrace? Is not the right word, although you'll see that moment here in just a second. Not be able to score a point against Todd Haley's team. Did you watch any of the USFL? Because apparently, three million people did this weekend, which is an outrageous number. But listen, football is football, and people will gravitate towards it. So, what is your level of interest? in this newest football league, or I guess it's not a new football league, but this renewed version of this football league. While you do that, I'll tell you about the people that you should have interest in if you need HVAC work done, commercial, residential. Brymac Mechanical has you covered. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com, satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Three locations in Middle Tennessee and in Kentucky to get you right, get you in your comfort zone. Brymac.com. So, what is your level of interest in the USFL? I must admit that mine is zero. I have, I, <laughs> I told you guys that I had like Sunday or well, football season scaries because we're already, you know, we're already back to work. John Robinson is going to give a press conference on Thursday. The draft is going to be, uh, is in less than 10 days 
from now. I have yet to have, I feel like I have yet to come up for air from the 2021 season and already 2022 is overwhelming me. So don't need more football in my life. Now, unlike you or many of you, I don't know what all of you do for a living, but I work in football, so I'm not looking for more football, right? I don't need more football in my life because I am over. my life is consumed by football, personally, professionally, all over the place, football, football, football. So I don't need more football. I don't need bad football, much less at this point in time either. So B. French says he was watching Fisher. He said a six, a tough watch, Jeff Fisher with Michigan Panthers at this point. Luman007 on YouTube says a zero. Uh, there isn't a Tennessee team, says Mark Jones. Well, there's teams from all over the country, but they're all playing in Bur- Birmingham. So, you know, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter where the where the teams are, where the team's nicknames say they're from. They're all playing in Birmingham for this first season. Uh, all, Derek R. says, all of the football, I want your job. Yeah, I, I mean, well, can't uh, thank you, Derek. You can't have my job, um, but you can have all the football. So you can either have all the football or have my job either way. Um, I choose to abstain from the USFL, but mostly because I saw shit like this going around the internet this weekend. And it honestly, it made, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. This is Kirby Wilson, who is a career running back coach across many different teams in the league um, for a couple of decades at this point. He's gotten an opportunity to be a USFL head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers. And this is the way that he cut one of his players on the roster, courtesy of Fox, who is airing this USFL documentary series that is keeping pace of things in the USFL's first year of renewal. Well, he crossed the line. So we had to deal with it. This is very difficult for me as a head coach. My first time. But we have a business. Okay, this is business and you're a businessman. We all are. Because that's the nature of the beast right now. But uh, when I first talked to you guys on March 22nd, I had a handbook. I covered some items that were very important to me. Line 46 addresses that. Any disrespect of football or members, staff, USFL, hotel, etc., would not be tolerated. And it's been brought to my attention that has occurred with you. So unfortunately, unfortunately, hear me out, unfortunately, the cost of doing business, I'm going to have to let you go. Okay? I didn't think I did anything or said anything disrespectful. I, I can tell you what happened exactly. It's not important right now. Right. It's not important. I don't know. It's already happened. Right. It's already happened. I didn't say anything disrespectful. He said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. That's it. And I walked away. I mean, I didn't think that was disrespectful. Me saying, yes, I don't eat chicken salad. And I was like, is there another option? Walked in with pizza. And I was like, can I get a slice of pizza? He said, no. I was like, he said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. That's all I said. I didn't say no cuss word, nothing. That's all I said. I promise you, no disrespectful on my dad's life. I promise you I'd say nothing disrespectful besides yes. And, and I appreciate you sharing that, but the matters, it's done. It's done. And I appreciate you sharing that. But good luck. Someone's feelings, hurt feelings, are a distant second to the greater good of the team. And we've moved on and turned that page, and I'm happy we did it. I can't mope about something. Just go home and work. I ain't no dumb dude, so. I'll figure it out. I'm going to tell you. So that's Kirby Wilson of the USFL 
cutting a player for preferring to have a slice of pizza over chicken salad and apparently uh, voicing his uh, preferred menu option to a member of the staff in a way that Kirby Wilson found disrespectful. It's just so stupid. So, so stupid. Um, Jeff Rupel said it made him laugh because he's a Michigan alum. Honestly, it, honestly, that, that kind of shit pisses me off. And I get it, Jeff, Ohio State, Michigan, like, you know, Jeff is allowed to laugh at that because everybody, uh, you know, uh, because, well, one, because Jeff took the L uh, at the big house this year for the first time in a long time. So he needs any reason to laugh at Michigan this season. But also because uh, this, these are just guys who are looking to prolong their football careers, right? And like that dude, and I don't know everything about the, uh, about the time that, uh, forgive me, the running back from, the former running back from Michigan, spent with the Pittsburgh Mullers. I don't know if there were other infractions that he violated according to team rules. And that was like the final straw. And that was the only thing that made it to air because it's so ridiculous that you have to put it as a part of the broadcast that you're doing. I just, I hate that that's like, that's how we're going to deprive people of having opportunities to play football for a living. Cause there's only so many opportunities that people like that have to be able to feed, uh, you know, to be able to feed that competitiveness, to prolong their uh, their football careers. And, you know, I mean, in the case of some of these guys, maybe only a handful, but still perhaps have a chance at making an NFL roster still in the future because at least you're playing competitive football and these things will be, uh, will be scouted uh, every year, of course, when you're putting together rosters, practice squads, or otherwise. If you're playing professional football, you still have a chance to compete at some point at the highest level if you perform well enough in the league that you're currently playing in. And at least you can make some kind of a living doing that instead of college football or after college football is over, you're just out there in the wilderness and you don't know what to do because you've invested all of this time, your entire life for most of these individuals in playing, training for, preparing for yet another football season. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it sucks. And it was, it was a shitty look, um, for Kirby Wilson, who is getting rightfully dragged, um, on the internet as a result of this being put out there publicly. All right. It's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you guys hanging out radio show, ton of fun tomorrow. Josh Pate in studio from CBS sports. He had a lot of good insight about why we should be listening to Nick Saban about name, image, and likeness. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Harry Douglas, former Titans wide receiver, now spewing hot takes all over first take on ESPN. Harry's going to be on the radio show tomorrow, too, and we'll do the dumbest thing in sports, as is our Wednesday custom. Be there. Enjoy the rest of your evening. If I don't talk to you on the radio show tomorrow, we will see you tomorrow night on A to Z Sports Primetime.